Welcome to Dithering Preview. If you are listening to this, you downloaded Dithering from iTunes or your directory in your podcast player. And this is where we share a about 90-second snippet from every episode of Dithering, a paid podcast that we record in the past month. So this is for August. And uh, I think I think we had a pretty good month, John. August 2020, we should say, because a year from now we'll be we'll be doing the same thing. That's a good point. So you can listen to these snippets as they come out on Twitter at Dithering FM, but even better, you can go to Dithering.fm and subscribe and receive Dithering in your podcast player three days a week, 15 minutes per episode, not a minute less, not a minute more. Right. You did good. Thank you. This is is the first time I got it right. (laughs) Enjoy. August 3rd, Microsoft and TikTok. Do you know what this is almost like? And it's bizarre. Because it's almost like almost an anagram is it's like Kit Kat candy bars. You know that Kit Kats are totally different in the U.S. and international, right? Right. right. And the ones international are made by Nestle and they're actually pretty good. And the ones in the U.S. are made by Hershey and Hershey's milk chocolate, of course, tastes like uh, cardboard. (laughs) (laughs) I did not know that actually. Oh, you go, go to the Wikipedia entry for Kit Kat and you'll find out all about it. I swear to you, a U.S. Kit Kat is, it's not terrible. It's not foul. It's well, I always do the, the Japanese Kit Kats are supposed to be very, very good. They're probably even better, but they're probably also, <laughs> but they are run by Nestle. So they might, Nestle might make different ones in Japan, but Hershey's licenses the Kit Kat brand from Nestle, even though Nestle and Hershey are arch rivals, even in the U.S. Uh, anyway, just go to the Wikipedia page. Trust me, if you're I'm stuck in, on the anagram still. If you're, yeah, because Kit Kat and TikTok are almost the, it's like the same freaking thing. You read Kit Kat backwards, it's tactic. Yeah. <laughs> what? And if you just reverse the two words, it's Tic Tac. Tic Tac. I've called, called Tic Tac, Tic Tac a million times. It's, it's out of control. I can't handle it. There's one level of washed, which is like, okay. I can watch TikTok and enjoy it. There's a next level watch, which is like, you know, I don't even know what TikTok is. Huh. There's the third level of watch, which is like, I call it a small breath freshener because I just <laughs> can't even straighten my mind. August 5th, on the go. I mean, the whole thing, though, oh my word. This key money bit, <laughs> and the idea that they're paying, the, it's un, oh, like, oh, it's, it makes my head explode. Like, number one, beyond the queer mafia tactics, the idea that we are basically taking away a service from a company should make everyone extremely nervous, right? This right. is a bad thing. It's not a good thing to do. The reason you do it is because sometimes different priorities come in conflict. And in this case, in my estimation, the national security issues and concerns about China are in conflict with the idea that we don't do this to private companies. Right. But that means you need the maximum amount of delicateness around this and be like, look, right. be very clear. This is the rule of law. Don't like, we're only doing this because of this sort of thing. Talk through it. We're going to have an open auction. Make sure that ByteDance gets compensated to the greatest extent possible, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and <laughs> needless to say, there is not that delicateness in messaging. It's not even just no messaging. It is, Active mafia style messaging. It's unbelievable. Well, the other part that's unbelievable though is even the mafia knows not to talk about their work in public. Like part of part of messaging. August seventh, John versus Microsoft. It's not the only platform to deny consumers from cloud gaming because X Microsoft itself owns a platform, Xbox, and they don't let there's no Steam link on Xbox. The PlayStation thing doesn't work on Xbox. This is exactly it. This really cuts to the very core 
of the question of whether Apple is acting, I would say illegally with the App Store. Is is the iPhone a general purpose computing platform or is it some sort, something closer to a console? And I, frankly, I think it's absurd to say it's closer to a console. Like it is the, it's not just a general purpose computing platform. It's the single most important computer in people's lives. But it, why not? Why, why isn't the Xbox considered a general purpose computer platform? It's because, <laughs> because it's not because it could like, be, it is a PC. Take it apart and look at the, at it, you know, take the guts of an Xbox apart, take it out of the case, take the guts out and then open up a PC and show it to the same person. Is it actually a different device? No, it's a gaming PC. It's just running an operating system called Xbox instead of Windows. And so if anything, Microsoft is far more restrictive with the Xbox than Apple is. It's just a, a, it's, it's a platform that allows for things like word processors and email clients and Twitter clients and Xbox at Microsoft's the one running the general purpose computing platform that is so locked down that they literally only let you play games. August 10th, the iPhone console. You mentioned a couple times on Twitter the word continuum. And there's a continuum from like all the way locked down to like do whatever you want. And I think there's a sense in a sense that I share that there is a step change when it comes to something like the phone. It is no longer in sort of console, single purpose device, market a single purpose device, expectations are a single purpose device, relatively small compared to smartphones. And when you get to that new world, it's something bigger and different. And you become so critical and important to the economy as a whole that your responsibilities and sort of what you owe everyone else sort of fundamentally changes. And this isn't an unfair trade-off because you profited massively by the creation of that entire market. But by virtue of doing that, like you, you take on some sort of responsibility. There's a sense that Apple in particular wants all the gains and all the benefits and all the money from sort of creating a massively new marketplace. And they don't want, there's no sense of like, what's that word? Like noblesse oblige. I'm totally killing the pronunciation, but there's no sense of sort of giving back and opening up to everyone else, which many of us believe would actually benefit Apple in the long run as well. I get it. And that's, you know, and that's why this is a complicated argument because then it gets into should, right? There's, there's the is argument of how does Apple see and treat iOS as a platform? And then there's how should Apple treat iOS as a platform? August 12th, Apple, Control, and WeChat. I think this is a good point where it's really not about the money. There's that thing that, you know, if you, to understand what Apple cares about, it's Apple first, user second, and developers, you know, like a distant third. <laughs> Typography third, the finishing material. <laughs> That's right. Developers are like, developers are end, right? What kind of glue they use to seal the box? <laughs> then developers. but i think it's the same thing here what does apple prioritize more than anything and money is very high on the list but control is definitely higher and that will clarify a lot of what apple does if you understand that right and where i mean that money's still involved is money still comes out of having that control but it's it's still a lower priority as long as they maintain control they know they can make money it might be possible that they're making money but they lose control and then the whole thing falls apart it was in, in their minds, yeah. Right. And, you know, just to tie it into modern stuff, it explains the position that Office and the, you know, Microsoft's Office suite and Adobe's Creative Suite had in the late 90s to compel Apple to, you know, rejigger their entire plans for the operating system 
to make them happy and keep them on board is similar to why WeChat gets to have mini apps and Facebook doesn't. August 14th, Fortnite's Trojan Horse. But in this case, Epic's like, who cares? Because we're going to be on the store anyway. So it was like, might as well go all the way. It's a Trojan horse. And it's not maybe not a Trojan horse in the security industry sense of a Trojan horse as malware, but it's a Trojan horse in the allegorical sense that it was an app update that looked like one thing, a normal update to Fortnite, which has been around for years, and in fact contained something very unpleasant from Apple's perspective, which was a full-out assault on the app store's exclusivity for payment. There's so many things to talk about this. I mean, we, we, it's funny, like we just turned into the app store podcast. I mean, right. it, one of the things that we talked about over the last week was, is there a difference between a general purpose computer and a console? And interestingly enough, that seems to be a key part of this case because they are not going after the switch or Xbox or PS4, all of which I believe make you go through their payment systems. Now, all, all Fortnite games you can buy like online and it will filter down into your game because it's like virtual right. currency. And you yeah, have to, you, and have, you, you have like an epic account that it logs. That's you right. Into, right. Yeah, that's right. But, but I think all of them purchases go through that. So they're, they're explicitly attacking Apple and Google specifically in making the case. They make the case in the lawsuit. They compare it to the Mac. And so they're making the right. case that the, the iPhone is a computer, not a console, whereas they're not making that case about sort of the Xbox and the PS4 and the Switch. August 17th, HBO Max Go Now. The launch of HBO was such an absolute disaster that you could completely understand why this firing happened. I mean, the whole thing with HBO and attaching it to all these other properties that were not HBO properties, but calling it HBO, that's a massive risk. You're you're basically risking the brand that is so much meaning, has so much power, so that you can get this streaming service off the ground and they screwed up the branding. It was unbelievable. All right. One thing that hasn't changed and will probably never change. I mean, it would really take human beings being supplanted by AI as the dominant consumers for it to change is uh, human attention as a, the resource that simply cannot be extended, right? I mean, the best we can possibly do is 24 hours a day. You know, that's all we've got. And some of that has got to be spent sleeping and eating and hopefully showering. It, it's a limited resource. The brand for HBO is so important. Like you say HBO has a new show and I'm already thinking, well, tell me more, you know, like uh, give me the pitch. Whereas, most of these, you know, you tell me there's new shows. There's new shows from everybody. You can't even keep up just watching trailers. But HBO, I'll listen. Tell me what you got. You know, it, that's and that when and when attention is the the commodity uh, or the the resource that can you know is is essential to all of this. The scarce commodity. The scarce commodity. It is you know you you cannot water that down and and you know well you shouldn't. August nineteenth, engines and developer accounts. As a platform maker, it's irresponsible for Epic to put Unreal Engine at risk in their fight over their own games. Yeah, that's the real challenge here and why I think they're going to back down. Apple is very clear what the conditions are. They have to put in a update for Fortnite that removes the in-app purchase because, all, as you noted, it's, it, Fortnite still runs on devices. Right. And they have to remove the Fortnite in-app purchase and then they will not remove the developer certificate. And I think it's important to note that on one hand, Apple is in its contractual rights. I don't think Apple would needs to revoke the developer certificate, right? They could just make all those 
installations of Fortnite inoperable. Apple can kill any app on phones without having to sort of kill the developer. But Apple does have this hammer and they are using it. And they're basically saying nice business there, particularly nice platform business you have would be a shame if something happened to it. And I don't see how Epic has any choice. Like they're asking for an injunction. I think that whether the injunction happens or not, I still think they have to give in because if you're a developer and you're thinking, which game engine should I use? Epic is basically saying, if you use ours, you are taking on the risk that your game might not work on iOS. And then that's just not tolerable. Yeah. Uh, You probably read the developer agreement more thoroughly than I did yesterday. I got hung up on the font. (laughs) August 21st, Apple does it all. The iconic Apple product was the iPod because it was self-contained, right? It wasn't, you know, but there was never an SDK for the iPod. You nobody, nobody really wanted one because it didn't really, it wasn't really like people made sense. You know, it didn't have networking. What would you have done if you could make an app for the iPod? I mean, I guess people would have done it because there were a couple of games. Do you remember that? Yeah. There were like a very, very small number, but it was so inconsequential. It might as well not even exist. Right. And breakout was an obvious one because it, it had the click wheel, which is a good controller for breakout. And there's some history there where the two Steves made a breakout game for Atari and Steve Jobs, you know, shortchanged Steve Wozniak, which again <laughs> sort of informs their thinking on how much money they're entitled to. Um, it's so true. Yeah. The Steve Jobs <laughs> part of the company lives on and the Woz part of the company, you know, or not that the Woz part isn't there and doesn't live on, but the, the jobs part of the company is the one that made the 70-30 split for the App Store. And if Woz's, if Woz's DNA had taken over, uh, yeah, everybody, you know, everybody complaining about the App Store would be happy because you'd get to do whatever you wanted to in the App Store. That's right. And, and, and Apple would, would, would pay for everything. Right. But that sort of product, that self-contained look, everything you can do, it's right there. It's in your hand. It fits in your pocket. It's beautiful. It doesn't look like anything else. It's simple. You can understand it. But yet it has something amazing. It has 5,000 songs right in your pocket. August 24th, the 24-hour WordPress saga. I can understand the argument that you do it on your device. It's something that is there, and Apple's going to take their share. When you're reaching into like domain hosting or code repositories or whatever it might be, I don't know how you can interpret it other than Apple seeking to leverage this particular point of of control to basically the whole world. There's always going to be edge cases. I can't think of a way that anybody could write, even if you wrote a phone book length contract where you could cover everything, there's always going to be some idea in the middle or something weird like the wordpress.org, wordpress.com thing that's always going to pop up. But basically, the if the idea, if it's very clear that you're just talking about an iOS native app that's a client to a service that is on the broader internet and is mostly used on the internet or for the internet, and that this iOS app is just a nicer way to get to it on your phone than going through the website on your phone, that should definitely be something Apple should be encouraging because the idea that, hey, it's nicer if you have an app for it is makes the platform better. And it certainly isn't something that they really have any uh, entitlement to in terms of it being a primary thing that you do on the phone, right? It's just a client for a broader service as opposed yeah, to... That's, I th- that's the exact line. I, I think I'm going to write about this week. I'm trying to, to your point, it's hard. How do you draw that line clearly and sort of consistently? Right. But I think that's that in broad strokes, that's exactly the line to draw. August 26th, Google and the high end. 
back in the day, the carriers really controlled phones and they controlled what was on the phones. Mm. And they did that because they were sort of the thing that you needed. You would needed to have access to the network and they leveraged that access, that point of control to go sort of up and say, this is what you can do on your phone. This is what phones are available, et cetera, et cetera. Apple famously came in and broke that control, not, not just in the US, but all over the world. And they would do this in market after market by, they would usually enter markets almost never with the leading player. They would come in with the second or third place player. Right. Like in Japan is one of my favorite examples. They came in with SoftBank, which was a distant third. Right. And within like a year or two, SoftBank was, was the leading or tied for the, or near the lead. Why? Because people wanted the iPhone so much that they were willing to switch carriers to get it. Yep. And, and that is what broke carrier control. And the thing to think about with the app store is, you know, Apple is clearly not going to give up control, right? It, we're now just the, the point of control has moved up the stack. And this is something for Apple to think about as they think about this point. You know, right now, people, they control the app store and that control is only ever going to be broken when there is a device that's so good that people are willing to switch for it. And, you know, I'm not sure that's going to look like. This is why I think the cloud gaming thing is really interesting and why I think Apple maybe should be smart and co-opted and let it be on their devices. Like, you could imagine with cloud gaming, it's so incredible and amazing that it's literally something you can't do on an iPhone. It becomes a reason to switch. August 28th, Facebook and iOS 14. Who is going to click allow tracking? That's the the point. It's sort of like, why even bother? Why not just get away? Why not just give everybody an IDFA that's zero and make them go into settings and turn it on if they really want to? I mean, I, who's going to click that? But I do think the other thing that I think is interesting about that dialogue is Apple's use of, and this gets to your other point. I, I thought you were going to make this, but so the one option is allow tracking and that's clear. And that means you're going to have an IDFA and Facebook could use it and anybody else could too to have a unique identifier that'll go across apps. The other one though is not don't allow tracking. It is ask app not to track. That's the only other option. And the reason they word it that way, if you think about it, is pretty obvious because if you don't grant them official access to use the IDFA, that doesn't mean they can't track you other ways. Yep. It just means they're not going through Apple's sanctioned system and the identifier to do it. And so rather than give you the false sense of, well, if I click don't allow tracking, I'm not being tracked, they're telling you ask app not to track, meaning you're trusting this app not to track you like that. And it's very honest. I think that's the way it should be worded. But it is throwing shade at a company like Facebook, which I think everybody sort of thinks in their mind, well, they're going to track me in. August 31st. I know it when I see it. Think about like a library, a public library, which which I think most people would agree are, are bastions of free speech and certainly free speech on traditional political grounds uh, of left right that, you know, the National Review surely is found in every good public library, you know, the books of William F. Buckley and the books of Noam Chomsky are probably in the same libraries with the same prominence and uh, with the same access. But I don't think many public libraries publish neo-Nazi magazines or or carry, not publish, but, you know, uh, or just complete false uh, Holocaust denial type material. Is Facebook a library? No, of course. I realize this breaks down a thousand different ways, but you can, you know, whole sort of figure out yet Facebook and, and Twitter and, and social networks need to figure out 
where to draw these lines the way libraries have, it, where you you can honestly say, look anybody in the mirror and say, yes, we are, we do, we are a bastion of free speech, but we have limits, and this one's over the line. Do you think that is going to argue the sort of like China card, as it were, like the that's the alternative? I mean, it it, it is tricky because the internet lends itself and centralization lends itself to sort of censorious control, as you know, in China is obviously an extreme right. example, and so that's always a danger of leveraging something central for censorship. But at the same time, I think the core conceptual mistake Facebook is making is believing they are the internet. So a lot of App Store this month. August is for App Store. A is for App Store. And I don't think that it's going to be over. You know, I don't feel like that was a blip in the wind. I almost feel like we started dithering just in time for this specific topic because it's one that we both care about and have talked about for a long time. But also it's sort of a drip, drip, drip topic instead of one where everything happens at the same time. Right. And you couldn't predict the epic thing, which was epic or is epic. (laughs) And this is... Right, because the rest of it was sort of predictable, I think, and and you know, building, yeah, yep. and somebody doing something that is probably against their own interest in the near term and possibly permanently wasn't predictable, right? Like basically, the big thing with Epic is wherever you stand on the issue and who you think's right, who's wrong, ethically, who you think's right, wrong, legally, Epic is taking a hit of about twelve percent of their revenue which is what was entered in the court record as their mobile revenue to, f- to make this fight, which isn't all of it, but it's like, the, it just shows how they're perfectly placed to make the fight, right? 12% isn't going to kill them, but most companies aren't going to do anything that takes a 12% hit of their revenue on purpose. That's right. It's going to be very interesting to watch. Although, for the record, by I think by far the most popular dithering episode was you complaining about Microsoft. And and <laughs> you you we wanted to talk about Microsoft Game Center and you were so scarred by uh having to uh fix a video card that you you just poor Microsoft had no chance. I'm still so mad. I I'm madder now about the state of Windows versus the Mac than I ever was in the nineties. Way way more angry. Anyhow, you can listen to that episode and all the other ones by going to dithering.fm. You can subscribe right on the site. It's $5 a month or $50 a year. Click a button and boom, it's in your podcast player. And you can enjoy John versus Microsoft and everything else we've recorded over the last few months.